0: Might potentially be. There's a warning in that, guys. <laughs> uh, there's also another warning that goes with this talk. Can I have to open the opening slide up? Thanks. Um, and that is, I might be asking more questions today than I'm giving answers. So I kind of apologize in advance for that. But I think why that's the case, and, be- and it's because the stuff we're talking about today. Kind of, it's quite deep and it's not superficial. That actually, there are no superficial answers for it. Um, so, kind of, yeah, it, it, it's more about questions than answers today. If you've not been around um, over the last term, um, just to, let me kind of bring you up to date. Um, we've been kind of looking at a series based on um, a book about being emotionally healthy by Peter Scazzario. Go to the next slide. Um, Thanks so much, Joss. Um, really highly recommend this. If you were wondering about what can I read, what would take me deeper in my faith, I you know, can't recommend it strongly enough. The premise of the book is really simple. That if we want to grow up spiritually, we also need to grow up emotionally. That they kind of work together. Um, and that's kind of what we're unpacking over this term. Um, so kind of in the first um, session, um, Go kind of the next slide, thanks. Um, kind of the theme was being our authentic selves. And I was talking about the significance of our hearts and how it's through our hearts that kind of we encounter God. And, uh, and for us to encounter God in a positive way, our hearts need to be healthy. Then, next slide, thanks. Um, last time, Hannah was speaking, uh, and the title was Going Back to Go Forward. Uh, and she was kind of reflecting on the events that take place in our lives in the past impact us now, how we need to be healed of them, how they shape us and how they form us, and how we can move on um, from them in our lives. Um, and if I'm honest, there was a bit of a common thread between both what Hannah and I were doing when we were speaking, um, because we both shared quite a lot from our own stories, um, and I really appreciate Hannah's honesty and bravery in what she shared last time. Um, if you didn't hear it, I really encourage you to go to the website and have a listen. Not just because of the personal story, but of kind of where it leads and how it can help us make sense of our personal stories. Um, and um, kind of, we didn't kind of go into this thinking, this is a series where we've got to bear our souls... But actually, it's become really kind of clear that as we've gone through it, that if we're going to talk about issues that are quite deep, we need to be real about how they impact our lives as individuals. And we don't kind of share it out of a desire for sympathy, but hopefully out of a desire to allow you to engage with your story and the stuff that's happening in your lives. Um, and so, I just really encourage you to be honest with yourself as we talk about these things um, and to face your own questions and your own doubts, uh, even at times when, when we touch on is quite painful. could be on the next slide so this week we 're talking about going through the wall what why a wall as we speak at the moment go to the next slide. Um, Dan, my son is running a marathon in Munich. I have to keep checking my phone because I get, I keep kind of getting text messages about where he is and how he's doing. The last one was he was at 11 kilometres in just under an hour. Uh, I don't know about, I don't know if the runners here now is that is that doing all right? Is that doing what uh, Yeah. Whether or not he keeps that up for the next 30 kilometres, I don't quite know. But kind of good start. That was taken at 9.30 this morning in Munich. Isn't technology wonderful? It wasn't even planned to be in my PowerPoint. Um, as a non-runner, I have to confess, this is all a bit of a mystery to me. I don't even really understand why anyone would do it in the first place. I don't know if anyone else has that kind of issue. Um, I do. I um, do. But one of the things I'm aware of is that they talk about people that run marathons hitting the wall. Have you heard that expression? That you can be running really, really well. And perhaps some of you have run marathons and you've experienced the wall. And I gather it's when you, you, know, when you suddenly get to a point when all of your energy has gone and you just almost like suddenly you can't, you're running and you can't suddenly run anymore. And it's how you push on and you push through that wall to finish the race that matters it seems like an invisible barrier so today I want to talk about the spiritual equivalent um, of hitting the wall Um, the ancients had a name for it go to the next slide Joss Um, they called it the dark night of the soul that comes from a book by Saint John um, of the Cross Uh, and um Kind of, it's, it's the place in the Christian journey where God seems distant and absent. And often it comes at a time when we are facing kind of significant crisis in our life and when it feels like we need Him the most. Um, and, um, and the reason I want to talk about it is because how we respond to that has impact not just for our kind of faith journey, but for the, the whole of our lives. For our future as Christians. Um, kind of, it's something we want to avoid. We don't want to face that sort of wall, um, in our lives. Um, kind of, and I wrote in my notes a number of different ways of trying to express this. And I, and I can't, and I've keep crossing them out and trying to come up with, them. I first wrote, we should welcome the wall. Actually, who welcomes pain in their lives? Yeah, you don't, do you? Then I kind of. Then I think I work. Then I kind of. Actually I've, then kind. Of, and I kind of came to a place that um, actually accept it. And I'm not even sure about that. But perhaps I think the better thing is to say that perhaps we need to understand it, because it's through understanding it, we can grow through it. So let me allow Peter Casario, who's wrote this book, to describe how the wall can come to us. For most of us, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down. It comes perhaps through a divorce, a job loss, the death of a close family member or a friend, a cancer diagnosis... A disillusioning church experience, a betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled, a dryness or a loss of joy in our relationship with God. And we question ourselves, we question God, we, conf- we question church. And we discover that for the first time, perhaps, that our faith doesn't appear to work. We have more questions and answers um, as it feels like the very foundation of our faith is on the line. We don't know where God is and what God is doing, where he's going and how he's getting us there. Or when it will be over. Um, and, and kind of, uh, I suspect, I mean, he, he lists a lot of things there. I suspect he doesn't begin to touch on all of the different things we can face in our lives that can kind of bring us to this point where we feel God is absent and we kind of question what we believe completely. For all of us the wall comes in different ways but its impact is similar. Um, we question our faith whether there is a God um, Or what God is, or, or or even if we kind of hang on to the fact that God is there, we question his character. How can a loving God allow this to be happening in my life and in my situation or in the situations of those that we love? And how we respond to this has implications for our faith. I lose track of the number of people that say to me, Oh, I used to go to church or I used to believe. Um, and then this happened. And for them it became not just a wall, but it became a roadblock to faith. Something that they, their faith was literally shipwrecked on. Um, and, it, and many of us kind of struggle with this, not just over a short period of time, but for what seems like years. It feels like we're living a shadow life. The joy is stolen because of what's happening um, in our lives. Um, and when i kind of was preparing this i just had to ask myself okay um, what has been the wall in my life you know i can't just talk about this academically um you know, when did i you know when did i encounter my wall and a few weeks ago i you know when i was taught in the first talk i, I talked about kind of how i um, accumulate everybody else's pain and i find that difficult to deal with But what I want to talk about now is much more about my own personal pain. Um, But it's not just my personal pain. It's very much um, our son Daniel's personal pain. Um, And so in sharing this, I do it with Daniel's permission. I've said to him, how do you feel about me telling your story? Because I don't have the right to do it and many of you know Daniel, kind of you saw the picture, kind of he just missed a super fit and it's a bit nauseous really, isn't it? But never mind. Um, but actually, and life at the moment is great for Dan, but it hasn't always been great. Um, when he was in the primary school, um, it kind of in the juniors, um, Carol's mum died after quite a long battle with cancer. Um, and it started a chain of events in Daniel's life um, that continued into and really through most of his um, teenage years. Um, and as parents, kind of, you you kind of uh, you struggle more than anything about with what goes on in your kids' lives, don't you? I mean, it's almost that it's almost the thing that matters the most in our lives, doesn't it? Really, if our kids are doing well, then we are doing well. Um, Sorry, I'm just getting him. He's on for sub-four hours just to interrupt. I'm getting text messages coming through. Anyone know Jason at my Jason's out cheering him on um, and texting me. Sorry, complete interruption. That's because I'm distracted by my son even now. Um, we, kn- we knew he wasn't happy. Uh, we knew he was struggling uh, in lots of ways. Um, but things started to come to a head when he started to talking started to talk about wanting to die, about not wanting to be here. Um, And I suspect many of us as parents have kind of encountered kids in that sort of pain. Um, And then it kind of escalated from talking about wanting to die to writing about and drawing pictures of literally how he would take his own life. And this is a child in in junior school. Um, And um, kind of, you know, we did what every parent does. We panicked and we were at the doctors. And And I don't know quite how, because I know it's not people's experience today. Um, I have a daughter that's just started working CAMS in Oxfordshire. um, And getting appointments there are a nightmare, and I know that's the same in Tunbridge Wells. Somehow we walked into the doctor's one day, and we were in CAMS in Tunbridge Wells the next day. um, And we were into a year of family therapy, um, almost immediately. Um, And I guess it tells you how seriously they took what Daniel was saying for that to happen. I think it also coincided with a new staff member starting and not having a caseload, and somehow we managed to jump the queue for that that reason, I suspect. Um, And... um, kind of, and over that period, we discovered some of the things that were going on, that part of it was the loss of his grandmother, um, and the fact that she was gone, and he almost wanted to be with her, part of it was that we had been doing the brave-faced thing as parents, and we were getting on with life, and almost pretending that grandmother hadn't died, and that almost had not given him permission to grieve, Um, and you kind of, you know, you think, oh, how do I, you know, how do we mess up as parents, but we do, um, and kind of there were there were some answers, um, but, but despite a year of family therapy, um, we still lived with a very unhappy teenager. Um, for most of Daniel's teenage years, um, he seemed to live in a black place where his self-esteem was non-existent. Um, if you knew him around church, you may not have seen it. You might have seen what was a fairly truculent teenager because, boy, Daniel never wanted to be in church. From uh, I, think, I can't remember at that stage when he ever did want to be in church. Can you? And when he played guitar, that was fine. But then the conversation that went on for years was, when, uh, when can I not come to church, mum and dad? It's very difficult when you're the vicar. You know, oh, I won't go today because Daniel wasn't going to go. Doesn't, that, that sort of stuff doesn't really work, does it? Um, and, and so things started to break around his GCSEs. He started to become more well as a human being, but he still wanted nothing of God in his life. Um, it, it kind of things finally really broke at the end of his first time of university, when suddenly he turned around and said to us, I think I want to go back to church. Um, and kind of, we went through, I think, probably a decade of feeling utterly, utterly powerless. powerless. The moment that epitomised it for me was, I think, being late because of a family therapy session, going to a conference and, you know, putting the kids right was absolutely right. I remember coming into the conference late, there was worship going on. I remember getting into the worship, singing songs as we did this morning, and just feeling so utterly, utterly broken. So completely powerless to help my son, seeing him in so much pain and not being able to do anything to make it right. Um, and I remember being on my knees just weeping in the worship because I, 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 I was at the absolute end of my own resources um, and kind of that dark place for Daniel continued, but it also continued for us. Um, that was our wall, that place where we couldn't help but question, where are you, God? You know, there was the family therapy. I don't can't, can't tell you how many prayer sessions there were about, you know, gone, that Daniel will be set free from this and will be healed from this. and And it just seemed to go on and on and on most of us, sooner or later, will face our own personal walls. Um, Scarzo joins the mystics um, in seeing this as something that is a natural part of the Christian experience. Um, And, you know, I didn't think, I'd never thought of it in that way. I mean, let's be honest, um, no one wants to go through that sort of stuff. Uh, in our lives, do we? Yeah, we don't. We don't. We don't sign up for that, and we don't queue up to deal with pain um, in that sort of way. Um, you know, it's human nature to want it taken away and to recoil from it. Um, and kind of, we struggle. I think with the words like we had in our reading today. Could we just have the next slide up? Thanks. Yeah, I'm on track. Great. Consider it. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you hit the wall. Sorry, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Um, I don't know how to put this. I know it's the word of God, but um, it, it feels at times a bit like James's words are almost offensive, aren't they? Cons- you know, fancy saying someone when they are in that much pain consider it pure joy. It doesn't feel like joy. And I think, if I'm honest, I think he's being deliberately provocative. But what he's saying is this is part of Christian experience. Whenever you face, not if, whenever you face, it's a part of life. Um, But actually it's a part of life that has purpose. It's a part of life that can change us for. The good, or it can change us for the ill. It can cause us to go deeper into God, or it can cause us to turn our back on God and dismiss God. Um, James says the way it's meant to work is that it tests your faith. It produces perseverance. And perseverance brings you to maturity and completeness. There's a purpose in it. But boy, at the time... It's very, very hard to see it. Um, and um, I think there's... Can I on the next slide? This is, this is a Chris comment. This isn't in the book at all. I think there's a huge paradox here. Um, I think there are two things that go on when we are in these situations. Um, There is this, you know, James is saying, count it pure joy when you encounter this, that this is part of Christian experience, that somehow through this pain you will grow. Um, and actually there is a sense that, there is a sense of, of finding acceptance and understanding of that, even if welcoming it might be a step further than most of us can manage. Um, and, and, but that doesn't mean that we don't fight for those that we love, we don't fight for our children. You know, accepting that God somehow is working through this is a different thing from not fighting for our child when they're in that dark place or fighting against that cancer um, kind of diagnosis and doing everything we possibly can to be well and to kind of overcome it. So there is a paradox in this where we fight the thing but we somehow enter into what God is doing through it. Does that make any sense to anybody? As I said, I'm not totally sure I'm going to make sense today or give you answers. It may be more about giving you questions. Um, we need to understand the wall, but we need to fight for those we love. So, how does the dark night of the soul fit into our experience as Christians? I used to think that it was, that was, I used to think that that was something for mystics. I mean, St. John of the Cross was a mystic, kind of. I thought that was something, you know, experience of people that wanted to go off and live in monasteries and kind of do that sort of stuff. But actually the mystics seem to say, actually, no, this is part of the pattern of the faith journey that we're all on. Um, And I I know this isn't terribly readable. It's um, a photograph using my phone out of the book. But it kind of shows kind of a cycle, which is a bit like a faith journey. It begins at the top when we become Christians, uh, and you know, for many of us, kind of, it's a time of great joy, of discovery, of excitement. Kind of, we, we 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 kind of, it's like we see the world afresh when we kind of discover God's presence in our lives and the fact that He loves us and what He's done for us, and kind of, you know, our, our lives often never have never often been more alive. And kind of out of that, it leads us naturally into the next stage. We want to know more about God. So we can't, you know, we, we can't stop reading the Bible. It feels like God's gone through the Bible with his highlighter. And everything we read in it sort of seems to speak to us. And we dig deeper and deeper into that. And as we discover more about that, we then want to serve him. A little bit like Dello was saying. I'm just aware I've not had a chance to talk to anyone about, you know, I don't think I'm serving God or doing enough at the moment. And kind of the next thing, you know, that next thing that kind of grows out of that is, you know, how do I now share him with others? You know, how do I play my part in his kingdom? And, and kind of that's part of this kind of cycle of growth, of, of coming to know God, of digging deeper, of starting to grow up in faith that we start to, to serve to, um, kind of where are you on that journey? You know? And then there's this thing called the wall. You know, in the middle of it all, we've discovered this new faith. Something comes along that seems to shipwreck our faith. Um, and kind of, um, we, and we think there's something wrong with us, um, or with our faith, or more likely with God. How can he have let us down when I put my trust um, in him in that sort of way? Um, and actually the, the wall has a purpose. It's meant to push us inwards to encounter God. And we'll be talking more about the significance of that in the weeks that come. Um, So the Christian life that James is talking about, we become Christians, we live a different life, we're hungry for more, we grow in faith, we face difficulties, and then things start to go wrong. And we question God and how he can allow it to happen or where he's gone. And so how do we react to the wall in our lives? Can I have the next slide, Josh? Thanks. We can question God, His existence. I've already alluded to that. We can question His character. We are left with those big questions. Where is God? Um, why does He allow this? Um, we can be, we can adopt an almost unrealistic and kind of false triumphalism. I remember years ago talking to someone and saying, we need to praise God in church more. We need to kind of live in, you know, uh, you know, we need to, you know, we need to, we need to almost ignore what's going on in our lives and live in this kind of spiritual other world. And actually, I think that's a spiritual escapism. I don't know that that's realistic. Um, more commonly, we can become cynical, you know, kind of, we can be consumed by bitterness. We're hurting and it starts to feed within us. Uh, and it kind of produces a crop of bitterness inside us. Um, we can become resentful of others um, who kind of seem to be having a great Christian life. Thank you very much. You know, why is my Christian life crap? Um, and theirs is looking amazing, you know. And God's doing all this stuff in their life. And every person they pray for gets healed. And, you know, my, you know it's not like that in my life. Um we can lose ourselves in escapism. I was talking to someone during the week who's having such a tough time at work. All they can do when they get home is turn on the TV to lose themselves in, in something that deadens the pain. And actually none of these things help. Um, all of these things can shipwreck our faith. We can respond like that or we can journey through the wall. How do we go through... The wall. And this is where I don't think there's any easier answer. If you say to me, how did we get through the wall we faced with Daniel? If I'm honest, the only answer I can give you is, we hung on for dear life. We hung on. We hung on. Um, we prayed many times. We got together with Helen. We cut this off and we cut that off. We did the therapy. We did everything you could possibly imagine. And yet it was a decade. Um, and, and that's not to say that he was, that it was a decade, yeah, there weren't good things in that decade, but there was a lot of pain in that decade. Somehow we hung on. Um, and even at times, even though kind of, you know, you, it's very difficult when you're the vicar and you're struggling with your faith, isn't it? You've still got to stand up here and tell people everything's great on Sunday morning. Um, you know, th- yeah, there, there were those battles too, because actually, you know, I'm not any different to any of you. It makes me ask exactly the same questions about where God is, as it makes you ask those questions when you are facing those difficulties, or your loved ones are facing those difficulties. And um, I think in a way, in time, we began to embrace it, that actually it's, come to the next slide, um, that actually it's all right to be bewildered and to not know what God's doing. You know, we all want nice, neat answers, don't we? About you, I would love some nice, neat answers, please. But actually, we we love black. One one of the things that you think of that cycle of faith. One of the things that characterises that cycle of faith is black and white, isn't it? When you first become a Christian, everything is kind of it's for God or it's against God. It's very black and white, you know. And we love black and white in our lives. Um, um, We're hurt, and it's all right to be hurt. We're angry. That's a difficult one because often we don't feel we should be angry with God, but actually sometimes we have, yeah, you know, you know, we are, and it's okay. You kind of you, you kind of see that in the Psalms. Ultimately, there is this sense of mystery. There's a sense of mystery about what is going on, and there is also a sense of mystery about the character and the nature of God. And actually, that's a good thing and not a bad thing. We're sad, we feel forsaken. We're not the first people to feel forsaken. Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And part of this is entering into the same way of the cross that Jesus walked in. The journey he took for us was a journey that was characterized by suffering and pain. And actually that's the journey he invites us to walk on. Uh, I was fascinated that um, I kind of w- when, I got, when I was going through this, my prayer life probably, it was bizarre. I was teaching about prayer for new wine a lot around the country. We were running prayer things for new wine and, um, and I was struggling to pray. Uh, and the only prayer at times I had was the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me a sinner. There, was, there weren't any other words. Lord Jesus, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. There was just nothing left beyond that. Um, and I don't think it's an accident that the wall is followed by the journey inward. It drives us into a deeper experience of God. And we'll be thinking about that more in the weeks that come. Um, and I am coming into land, you'll be pleased. It is the last slide that's about to go up. What's on the other side? You might not want to go through. <laughs> I might be a, you might want to say, actually, sorry, Chris, I'm i just going to give up now. <laughs> um, does this sound good or bad? I don't know. A greater level of brokenness. Kind of an acknowledgement, we haven't got all the answers. It's, more, it's knowing more of what Jesus said when he meant, when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah you know, there's that kind of poverty of spirit and brokenness that leaves us vulnerable for God. There's a greater appreciation for holy unknowing. Um kind of for most of us the process of coming to faith is about dealing with our doubts and our questions And we come to believe that that we can trust the Bible as God's word and it's historically accurate. We come to believe in Jesus and when we read about Jesus in the scriptures and we have a very clear picture of what Jesus is like. And that is a really good thing. But actually, God is not boxable, even in an incarnation where he takes our human form. There is more of God than we can understand. And it takes us to a place of unknowing. A a realisation that God is more. It takes to a deeper ability to wait for God. I have to say 10 years was too long. It really was, wasn't it? It would have been really nice if it had been a lot shorter. And, And thankfully it is. But there is something about waiting and an ability to wait. Abraham was 75 years old when he was told he was going to have a child. That is pretty ancient. He had to wait another 25 years for the child to be born. Moses felt called to save God's people when he was in Egypt. And he murders an Egyptian. And he has to wait another 40 years for God to bring that about. David is anointed king by Samuel and he goes out and he kills Goliath. And then he lives in the wilderness for year after year after year before he comes. Um, There's an ability to wait. And we kind of read about these stories in scripture. And I think sometimes we want to take the, the, the great templates, you know, let's read Acts and let's kind of go and do all the Holy Spirit stuff. And that's absolutely right. But sometimes we also have to look at the other templates in Scripture of lives that are laid down before God, that wait on God uh, and, expect, uh, and, uh, uh, and journey with God through the tough times as well as the easy ones. Um, a greater freedom. You see, this thing about going through the wall is it strips everything else away. All the other stuff that kind of matters in life actually becomes pretty superficial. You know, kind of when your kids are hurting, who cares whether you get a pay rise or not? It's utterly meaningless. Who cares whether you've got a bigger or a better car or not? Or, you know, or whatever it might be that kind of the world says we kind of need to have. Actually, the wall strips all of that away and it gives us a greater freedom. Could the band come back? Um, I began by saying, and you've now realised it's true and it wasn't just kind of a fib, um, that this is more about questions than answers. Um, I think I've probably done a fairly okay job of describing the wall. Basically, it's crap, isn't it? I mean, that's what it comes down to. It hurts, and we hate it, and we want God to take it away, and um, and God doesn't. And yet, somehow, God is in it, and God works in it for our best, and at Um, And we can't see that when we're in the middle of it. We can't see that at all. All we see is the pain and the hurt. Um, And as I said, I wish I had a lovely kind of, um, you know, here's three points on what you need to do to step out of the wall or through the wall. Um, I still don't know how we step through it. We just hung on to God. And And I suspect there are some of us today that are in that, place of just hanging on to God and I don't want to say, and I'm not saying to you stop, don't fight for your kids or don't fight against that cancer diagnosis or don't fight to find a new job because the job's been pulled pulled out under you, I don't want to say stop fighting but what I want to do say is come into that place of peace and acceptance with God in this you may not understand it but just come to him and ask him to lead you through it. Doesn't mean to say that there won't be more pain tomorrow, there almost certainly will be. And I just think I would just like to leave some time now. I just wonder whether you could just busk a bit. Just give us some space, because I think there's some of us here today that are in the middle of that storm, that wall, and it hurts. And I just really want to encourage you just to be, just to be before God.